Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I am joined today on the Everything USC podcast by Tim Brando, the play-by-play broadcaster for Fox Sports, who will be on the call along with Spencer Tillman for this weekend's Stanford-USC game. And if you enjoy listening to this podcast, you can subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts or go right to the website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media at Believe Podcast. To connect with me on social media, I'm on Twitter. Follow me at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Tim Brando, where can everyone find you? At Tim Brando on Twitter, at Timmy B on Fox on Instagram. And now let us take a look at the game this Saturday night between the Stanford Cardinal and the USC Trojans. It will be broadcast starting at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time on Fox and locally on radio KABC 790 AM. Just a warning for everyone who wants to watch it on Fox, it's going to be following a Yankees-Mets baseball game. So there's a pretty good chance, I think, Tim, that The beginning of the game may not be seen on Fox by a lot of people because that baseball game, I'm sure, is just going to run long and into the football broadcast. So they may have to go streaming it or on the app and figure out another way to watch it before the game is over in New York. In the past, when those situations pop up, and it is a, you're right, three-hour window, you know, maybe we'll get a pitcher's duel and be okay. But In the past, what they've done is they'll put graphics up telling people where they can find it. And, you know, again, I can't speak for programming, but in the past, either you would find it on FS2 or FS1. It would be somewhere. Okay. Besides streaming, they would probably have it on one of their alternate channels that's available to them. But in any case, when it's close to game time, within, say, 10 to 15 minutes of the start, And if you're watching Joe Buck and John Smoltz, there'll be graphics up on the screen letting you know where you can find it before they join us in progress. You know, it is interesting because this is the sort of cherry on top to what is a full day of sports on the 20th anniversary of 911. We start with Ohio State and Oregon in big noon, followed by Colorado hosting Texas A&M, then the Mets Yankees. And this will be for us, the latest game that Fox, the over-the-air network Fox, not FS1, the first time ever a Pac-12 game started at 10.30 East Coast time, 9.30 Central and 7.30. So we've had a lot of late-night delight, you know, Pac-12 after darks on FS1, but never on Fox. I think it's kind of cool. I really do. Because it's a commemorative day, a day that um, everyone's reflecting upon, but you know, also a day when maybe sports can make people feel a little bit better. So we're really happy to be a part of that. Yep, you get to be the nightcap for a big day of sports on the Fox Network. And the opponent, Stanford, had definitely a worse week than USC, as, like you mentioned, they lost to Kansas State in Arlington 24-7 last week. And Stanford last year finished 4-2. and two. They only played one home game, which was a loss to Colorado, and all their games, other than their season-opening loss at Oregon, were decided by five points or less. And so maybe that kind of masks some of the issues that they had in terms of personnel coming into the season where they're going to have to play 
12 Power 5 teams if they play every game as scheduled this season, and no one has had a schedule like that since 2011, not counting, of course, last year's pandemic year when USC in 2011 played a full Power 5 slate. And, of course, David Shaw, though, one of the best coaches around in his 11th year as a 90-37 and 37 overall record, 62-25 and 25 in Pac-12 games. USC leading the all-time series officially 63 wins, 33 losses, and three ties. That doesn't include the vacated 2005 game. So by official records, this is going to be the 100th meeting in this series that dates back to 1905, making Stanford USC's oldest rival. But in actual games played, it's actually going to be number 101. They didn't play last year, of course, because of the pandemic. And that was the first time that happened since 1945 in World War II. So the last game was in 2019. USC beat a number 23-ranked Stanford team in the Coliseum, 45-20. to And that was when Keaton Slovis came in and made his first career start after JT Daniels had gotten hurt in the season opener of the week before. And Slovis made a big impression right away, 377 yards in the air and three touchdown passes. So... Stanford against Kansas State, you know that Stanford likes to run the ball. They were unable to do that. They got only 62 yards on 18 carries once you take out the four sacks for 23 yards. And then they got gashed by the Wildcats on the ground, 200 yards rushing the K-State, even after the 21 yards in sacks is taken out. Deuce Vaughn going for 124 himself on just 13 carries, including a 59-yard TD run in that one. So based on what you saw out of Stanford last week, you think that they're in line for an improvement this week. And of course, it's a big rivalry against SC. But that was an ugly performance last week by Stanford. How do they turn that around? Yeah, you know, Nara, they have had really bad games coming out of the gates. They've had really ugly first week games the last couple of years. And Look, David's a hell of a coach, and their team always gets better systematically. But, you know, he's, he's a long way removed now from those three straight 11-win seasons, you know, that helped him become coach of the year four different times between 2011 and 2017. I mean, he had three Pac-12 titles, five Pac-12 North Division titles, and was really a dominant power in the league. It's someone you could count on to prop up the Pac-12, even when maybe the rest of the league was struggling. I don't know that that's the case right now. They don't have, you know, that explosive player. At least, you know, we haven't seen that player yet that would stretch any defense to enable their run game to get going in the West Coast offense that David likes to run. Now, he's got complementary backs that are a committee. You know, Jones, Emmett's son, E.J. Smith. The youngster Pete seems to have, you know, some giddy up about his game. And even the youngster that's got some real quickness, Casey Filkins, they're using a little bit in the backfield and in special teams. They are known, as you well know, as being really an absolute fixture for great offensive lines. And they were giving up some sacks. And that wasn't pretty against K-State. Now, the big problem starts at quarterback. and They were going with both Jack West and Tanner McKee. And I thought in watching the game that their offense just never got past 
having the plays for losses early on first down, and they got behind the chains most of that game. I think in Tanner McKee, they know he's the future, the sophomore from Corona, California. So they're making the move this week to go ahead. It didn't take Shaw long to say that it would be McKee's ball to start this game. They're trying to mix it up a little bit every now and then when they go with a wildcat look and they get the youngster that's a grad transfer from uh, Air Force, Josiah Sanders, in to run some of that. But listen, you know what you're going to get with Stanford. No one's going to try to trick anybody here. They're running what they run. They are a, you know, play action, pass, West Coast offensive team, always looking to get their tight ends involved. They usually feature a big-time back, and we're waiting to see who that's going to be. Bryson Tremaine is the go-to receiver. He had a five-catch, 62-yard performance in the loss, also from right here in Los Angeles. But again, I'm looking for someone to show me that they've got breakaway speed, sprinter speed, that can make USC defensively play honest. Because what happened with Kansas State was they just stacked a lot of guys in the box. They knew that in Jack West, they had a guy that really did not have a, you know, the ability to get away from pressure. So, you know, he was sacked twice. McKee was sacked twice. McKee is the more efficient passer. I think that's the reason for two reasons. One, he's more efficient in passing the ball. And number two, he is the future. You know, he needs reps. All these guys are older, and McKee's no different. He's a sophomore in eligibility, but he's up there in age. He spent two years on a mission before even enrolling at Stanford. So, you know, these guys are grown men. We know that. Anytime you play Stanford, you're playing against, even if they haven't had a lot of experience on the field, they've had a lot of experience in life. I think it's a matchup that's going to be very intriguing and one that usually has favored USC because they've had the more explosive player that could give them big plays. That's what happened in the last meeting when Slovis had sort of his coming out party in replacing JT Daniels, as you mentioned. And um, it doesn't hurt that you've got guys, you know, like London and like Washington, and even a guy like KD Nixon that can make some big plays in the pass game for you. You get that going to go along with the two backs that I mentioned that I think have a great chance to be successful. And you could have a a really well-balanced offense, even though we know the air raid is about getting rid of the ball, getting it out quickly, and uh, stretching defenses horizontally and vertically. The quickness advantage should be with USC. The big-time explosive talent to make big explosive plays should be with USC. But Stanford has a way of making you conform to their style of play, which if they can get control of the game, enables them to shorten the game in some ways where you won't have as many possessions as you might normally have. In Kansas State last week, they went up against another version of themselves. Kansas State goes with 12 personnel, brings two tight ends in. They pound it, they pound it, and Deuce Vaughn's a little guy that found some holes in the teeth of the Stanford defense and made some very big plays. But that's not how USC's offense runs, as you well know. So that's what's going to be interesting to me, Nara, is to see if even in this offense that we know is air raid, how much will USC attack the Stanford front and force them to stop the run because they had a very difficult time stopping it against Kansas State last week. Right, and we'll see what kind of 
defense coverages Stanford puts out there against this air raid. I want to throw out a few stats on these offensive guys that you brought up. Jack West, the senior, 8 of 12, 76 yards, two picks, not a good performance. Tanner McKee came in and was better, 15 of 18, 118 yards, and a touchdown. And another note about McKee, you mentioned he's from Corona. He went to Corona Centennial along with Drake Jackson and Corey Foreman, two of the guys who were going to be trying to chase him down on Saturday. And the running back, Junior Austin Jones, had a big year in that shortened season last year, 550 yards, nine touchdowns, which led the Pac-12. But he only had 25 yards on nine carries. He did have four catches for 30 yards in that week one loss against K-State. And you brought up the offensive line. On the left side, they have some experience. Left tackle Walter Rouse and left guard Barrett Miller both have at least 15 career starts each. But their center, Drake Nugent, and right tackle Miles Hinton both made their first career start last week. Now, both have good bloodlines. Their fathers both played in the NFL. Miles' dad, the offensive lineman Chris Hinton, who went to seven Pro Bowls in 13 seasons with the Colts, Falcons, and Vikings, maybe most famous for being part of that John Elway trade to the Broncos as he was the fourth overall pick in 1983, and the Broncos and Colts made that swap. Nugent's dad, Terry, was a quarterback who played in one game in that 1987 strike season for the Colts. And then when you flip it to the defensive side of the ball, you've got some experience. Senior defensive end Thomas Booker, a team captain, a 2020 second team All-Pac-12 defensive player, first team All-Pac-12 special teamer. And he had three tackles against the Wildcats, 102 career tackles, 16 of them for a loss, eight and a half sacks, and two block kicks in his Stanford career. There's a six-year super senior outside linebacker, Jordan Fox, another team captain. He had a couple of tackles against K-State. The leading tackler in the game for Stanford was actually senior inside linebacker, Ricky Miazon, and junior cornerback, Caillou Blue Kelly, a 2020 All-Pac-12 honorable mention, had an interception and two tackles against Kansas State. But most notably, he is the son of former USC and NFL cornerback, Brian Kelly, a guy who was in school at the exact same time I was at USC. So I remember his dad fondly from my days at USC, but now the son is playing for Stanford. And on special teams, their sophomore kicker, Joshua Carty, has still not attempted a field goal in his career. He had just the one PAT try against Kansas State. So When you look at that personnel, like you said, on offense, it seems to be lacking a little bit of explosion. They're going to hope that the change to the sophomore quarterback can make it more efficient, maybe get the running game going. And on defense, they're going to have to find a way to stop the high-powered air raid offense. So let's look at what USC, the 14th ranked team in the country in both the coaches and AP poll this week, what did they have to do to get a win? I'm looking at three things. I think they need to get off to a fast start, which is not just settling for field goals early. And that's partly my second point is that if they're in the red zone, they got to convert touchdowns. They can't be settling for field goals. And then three, put pressure on Tanner McKee, the young guy getting his start in this game in his home area. I think you can try and put some pressure on him. What are you looking for? What USC needs to do to get a win? Well, I think you're spot on with getting off to a fast start. Stanford is not a team that you want to get behind against. 
they're smart. Now, they turned it over more than they usually would against K-State, and they were fortunate in that regard. USC was also fortunate that San Jose State, you know, turned it over to them. But they were opportunistic, though, and they made them pay for it. Stanford, as I said, is a very smart team that can lull you into playing their tempo. And that means not as many opportunities. If they can control the football on the ground, bring in an extra tight end and dink and dunk the USC defense, keep them off balance, move the chains. I don't see a lot of big plays for Stanford. I don't see that many big playmakers for Stanford. You know, there's no Bryce Love back there. It's just going to take off unless we see something that we're told, you know, either Smith or Jones or Pete can pull off that we have as yet to see. All right. If it's in there, we haven't seen it yet. I'm going to say USC wants to force them to show them that they can run the football. All right. So don't allow them to run roughshod. You know, they're going to be king on the run game because neither of these quarterbacks, whether it's McKee, who's, you know, a youngster trying to get his feet wet. Granted, he's got better stats than Jack West, but neither one of them are tremendously mobile. So force Stanford to play with one hand tied behind their back. Force them to run, because I don't know that there's anyone out there that's going to scare these DBs for USC. So, yeah, get a lead early. I think the other thing that you want to be able to do is consistently get your passing game downfield, not just quick outs, but some seam routes that are down the field where Slovis is really, really effective. You know, he came on really strong when he first burst onto the scene for JT because he could get the ball vertically down the field. He threw the seam route really well. That's a fun route to run. It's a picturesque play for fans to enjoy. And they should have the skilled people to give the Stanford secondary a hard time. So I'm thinking, get a quick lead. Make sure you force Stanford to play faster than they want to play. And at the same time, win the big ticket plays of the day. You know, if you have more plays of 20 yards or more than the opposition, you're generally going to win games unless you turn it over too much. And I think USC will have, let's say, four or five more plays of greater than 20 yards from the line of scrimmage. And that doesn't matter whether it's a pass or a run. It just means a gain from scrimmage that a coach would call an explosive play. Explosive plays generally are 20 yards or more in college football. So those two things jump out at me as it relates to, you know, how USC could win this game and the formula for keeping Stanford on their heels. Yeah, I think we're going to look forward to seeing maybe some more deep shots out of USC. Obviously, Drake London is the big weapon. He's the guy that Keaton Slovis has the most familiarity with. He's still getting to know most of the other receivers. They're either freshmen or transfers into the program. And they're moving Drake a lot this season outside, inside slot. And so before, he was always just in the slot and was great at that seam route. Now they're moving him around. So hopefully other guys are going to step up and be able to take his place if he is lined up outside. Well, don't you don't you think, though, too, Nara, if you're looking at the film, if you're Graham Harrell, even though you know with your offense what you're going to do, how can you not look at what Deuce Vaughn did and not say to Malapai and to Keontae Ingram, you're going to get your chances? I'm you know? with you. I'm with you on that. I think they have to figure out a way 
to run the ball more effectively, especially once they get close to the end zone. And I know some of that is that they've given Keaton Slovis more free reign to call audibles at the line this year, obviously being in his third year in the system. They trust him more now, and we'll see if Keaton can make those correct reads as well based on what the Stanford D is showing him. But you're right. I think that the USC running game can be effective, and it was fairly effective between the 20s against San Jose State. The key is to get it done inside the 20, and we'll see if Stanford is going to be able to stop that or not. So now it's time to put the money where our mouth is. It's time for that always fun predictions segment that we have on the show where we pick three things, the players we believe in, the best Trojan player of the game, the game score, and a prop bet that we come up with that we're guaranteeing is going to happen no matter how improbable it might be. But first, I have to recap how I did last week. My guess, of course, last week was the former USC and NFL offensive lineman, Super Bowl champ, Derek Deese, whose son, of course, Derek Deese Jr., is the tight end for the San Jose State Spartans. So in the players we believe in, we both took a Drake. I went with Drake Jackson, and it was looking good really early with that interception in the second possession, but then he got slowed by the thigh injury, and Derek took Drake London, the career-high 12 catches, 137 yards, so Derek will take the win in that category. In the game score, I went USC 41-30. Derek, going with the family ties, went with San Jose State in an upset 42-35. And of course, USC winning it 30-7 gets me the win there. And so it came down to the prop bet. The double down with the Deezer, which was a great name for his prop bet, he said that a running back would rush for at least 150 yards. The leading carrier on the day was Keontae Ingram with 86 yards, so he obviously didn't get his, but I said a defensive or special teams touchdown will be scored, and Greg Johnson came through for me in the fourth quarter with his 37-yard interception return touchdown, so I take the lead in the predictions tracker 2-1 over my guess with that, and so now it's time for me and Tim Brando to go at it. First, the players we believe in, and For me this week, I know what you're saying, so I'm going with it. I'm going with Keontae Ingram as the player I believe in for this week's game against the Stanford Cardinal. Tim Brando, who do you got as the player you believe in for USC? I'm going to go with Drake London. Why why not? I'm going to ride the horse that was yours last time out. I don't see anyone in the secondary for Stanford that can hang with this guy. You know, he's so physical and has the ability to... I think now that he gave up basketball and he's really concentrating, you know, on football had an entire spring to really get ready. This guy is going to be, you know, you feed and fan this big fella as much as you possibly can. And I think Keaton and he have a real good relationship. So he's not only a dynamic receiver, he's a chain moving receiver. You know, he's a sure handed receiver. So I'm going to go with Drake London on the offensive side for USC. Yeah, I might just lose every time if I don't pick Drake London because he's just so good. (laughs) And if everyone is going to take Drake London against me, 
I may not win the players that we believe in <laughs> at any point this season, but we'll see. I think I think they're going to try and run the ball, so that's why I'm going with Keontae Ingram. You left me an opening, so I had to go. I, I did. I'm leaving people <laughs> openings, basically, by not taking Drake London. And now we got to pick the game score. And unfortunately, I know since you're calling the game, policy means that you can't pick a game score and a winner because people think that that means you're going to be biased in the call, which yeah. it is what it is. So yeah. I'm basically looking at this to be maybe a way to take advantage of that and (laughs) take the lead or take an extra point on it. So my pick, and just again, for entertainment purposes, we got to let you know that the line on Bet Online, which is a sponsor of this show, of course, is that USC is a 17-point favorite as we record this on a Thursday night. And I don't see USC covering. Once again, I was wrong on week one when I didn't have them covering, but I think that Stanford's going to play them tough. I think it's going to be a USC win, but it's going to be 30-20 USC, a 10-point win for the Trojans. And here's the deal I'm going to make with you, Tim. Since you're not allowed to make a pick, if the Trojans don't cover, I won't take credit for the win on this pick. Oh, okay. I think okay. that'll make that that's fair, right? Well, because since yeah, you can't make a pick, I need to at yeah, least yeah, get a USC win without a cover. And you've put me in a catch-22 because, you know, I can't root for either team. However, as a broadcaster, I do root for a good game. So if it's a close game, we might keep a few of those viewers on the East Coast up a little later. So I'm, I'm down with that. So I think that's a fair way to do it since yeah. you're not allowed to actually make the pick. Yeah. So now it comes to our prop bet. Mine, of course, is called Nara's No Doubter. I hit on week one. We usually don't hit many of these because they're usually random but I got mine, so I'm going to try and keep it going. Nara's no doubter. Week two, USC versus Stanford. There will be at least two missed field goals in this game. Ooh. This is very random. This is very out there. But the late night game, you got an inexperienced kicker for the Cardinal. I think there will be a combined by both teams, at least two missed field goals in this game. So, Tim Brando, first, I need the name for your prop bet and then what are you going with i'm gonna go with pack 12 pilfers past midnight on the east coast i'm gonna go with no fewer than three interceptions in the game and two of those will go to one team and the winning team will have two picks two interceptions minimum for the winning team and three overall but i'm calling it pilfering because i think looking at both of these teams the way they like to play, they are truly waiting on the other team to help them by making the mistakes to lose a game. And even though McKee is a, was efficient last week, he's going to get a lot of pressure in this game. And I think USC will force him into a couple of turnovers. They had a couple of interceptions, and as you mentioned, one for the pick six that put the game away by Greg Johnson. I, I see that happening again. I don't know who will do the intercepting. But I think we'll have three in the game and uh, a minimum of two for the winning team. All right. So you're going with three interceptions in the game and two will be by the winning team. Right. All right. And then we're calling it Pac-12 Pilfers after midnight. Is that what we're going with? Yeah, yeah. After dark. After dark. All right. Pac-12 Pilfers. Pac-12 Pilfers after dark. After dark. All right. (laughs) I, I like it. I like it. So... We both going out there on a limb with what we're going with, but yeah. obviously it's fun to see if it happens, and 
you're right. If the turnover story holds true, USC, if they can get the turnover margin advantage, they are likely to win the game. They've been doing it over the past couple seasons. They had a turnaround and turnover margin in 2020, and obviously they had the turnover margin win against the Spartans. So we'll see if that happens. So to recap the predictions, the players we believe in, I am going to go with the running back, the transfer from Texas, Keontae Ingram, Tim Brando, taking the easy way out with the wide receiver, (laughs) Drake London. In the game score, Tim's not allowed to make a pick. I'm going to go 30-20, USC winning by 10. And then in our prop bet, Nara's no doubter is that there will be at least two missed field goals in the game on Saturday night. And Tim's Pac-12 pilfers after dark, there will be three INTs total in the game. Two will be made by the winning team. So that's what you have to look forward to as you're watching the game. See if we're right on our predictions. And again, if you decide to use them for any bets you might do on your own at Bet Online. Don't blame us if it doesn't happen. This is just for fun. We're throwing it out there to have some fun. So again, this is Nara Wang. You're listening to the Everything USC podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. And if you enjoy listening to this show, you can catch it wherever you get your favorite podcasts and go to the website as well, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media at Believe Podcast. For me, I'm on Twitter at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. If people want to catch up with Tim Brando, where can they find you? At Tim Brando on Twitter and at Timmy B on Fox on Instagram. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.